Hello, and welcome back to another episode on fitness for pregnancy and beyond. I am your host, Janelle Arns, and on this podcast, we talk all things fitness for preconception, pregnancy, and postpartum so that you can feel confident moving your body in this and all these wonderful chapters of your life. So I'm so happy that you're here. And in today's topic, we are going to be diving into breastfeeding and weight loss. So you might be currently breastfeeding or you're hoping to breastfeed and kind of wondering what that looks like with your weight loss journey. So I'm really excited about our lineup for topics today because what we're going to do is talk, we're going to talk about considerations that you can make Um, setting realistic expectations, and then we're going to break down your one-year postpartum journey into three sections. So the first section is going to be your zero to eight-week time frame, Um, and then the second part is going to be the two to six-month time frame, and then six months to a year. So each of those time frames are going to look a little bit different with what your focus is and where your energy is going to be put for your weight loss goals. Um, So we're going to dive into each one. So I'm super, super excited. But before we do kind of get into the really awesome bread and butter details of what you're here to listen to, I really encourage you, if you are enjoying the podcast and the episodes, to give this podcast a five-star review just so that we can keep spreading the good words to all the other moms out there who are hoping to learn how they can navigate movement and motherhood, pregnancy, and preconception. So Thank you so much. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the first kind of category here, which is those first six to eight weeks after you give birth to your baby. So it's really funny and interesting because you might, if you've given birth before, you know what it feels like the very first time that you give birth to your baby, all of a sudden your belly is gone, like this hard belly that you had. Um, especially the last six weeks, your belly just feels so big. Um, it's gone now. It's almost like a balloon popped. Um, but your belly still kind of looks like it's six months pregnant almost. Um, it's, it, but you don't feel like it's so big, but you know, you kind of look in the mirror like, oh yeah, I do have a little bit of a belly still there. I mean, we don't expect our belly to just return back to what it was before. Just a fun fact, if you didn't know it before, your uterus stretches like 500 times um, its capacity while you're pregnant. So this, our organ, the uterus, as it has stretched beyond capacity, um, it then needs to um, contract and return back to its original position. So it's, it is stretched and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stay that way the first couple weeks after you have your baby and your belly will kind of hang out there. Um, now it's not, you don't need to worry that that's just what your belly is now. Your body will change drastically even in the first six to eight weeks after you have your baby. So when we think about weight loss after you give birth, though that very first initial period, and I kind of think of it like from the time you give birth to um, that time between then and when you have your six month or, or I'm sorry, six week or eight week follow up appointment, that time frame, your body is going to change a lot um, just as you psychologically as your body responds to now, oh, we had a baby, let's release some hormones to initiate breast milk, to contract our uterus back to its original size, to get our blood volume back to normal or pre-pregnancy because your blood volume does increase by 50% while you're pregnant. 
And the fluids um, in your body are also increased to help your body and baby receive all the nutrients that it needs. And so those biological changes, they all kind of have to reverse. And that's all thanks to our hormones, that they're the heart of how our body can make those adjustments. But as it's making those adjustments right away, now that your body knows you don't have a baby anymore inside of you, um, your body will change. And so you might notice differences in the size of your ankles or, oh my gosh, like my ring actually fits on my hand now. You know, your hands aren't so swollen or your feet aren't so swollen. Um, For me, one huge realization I had is like my thighs just all of a sudden got a little bit smaller. Not that they got like, they changed drastically, but um, at the very end of pregnancy, you just kind of feel a little bit puffy everywhere. And I couldn't believe the differences in my legs like two weeks after having a baby, um, or maybe it was maybe more around four, but I do remember it being really close to after birth in a long scheme of things, how quickly your body will, will change. So I say this and I tell you this because when you're thinking about weight loss, navigating weight loss after you have your baby, your body just isn't what it is those first six to eight weeks after you have your baby. So you might be like, oh my gosh, this is me now. Um, Not quite. Your body will do some initial changing. And then um, as you navigate the first several months of postpartum, there are things that we can do and focus on to help encourage um, healthy weight loss for that season of your life. But just just some reassurance, those first six to eight weeks, you might feel a little bit not discouraged, but maybe also encouraged because your body changes. But I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so just a little bit of a consideration there. So in that first six to eight week frame, what is it that you can focus on to set yourself up for a positive postpartum experience? And the very first thing, and I know your doctors have told you this, I know you've been probably reading it, but to just rest. We can think of birth and delivery and pregnancy as really any other type of surgery or major medical um, operation that someone might go through. There's always that period of rest and recovery afterwards, and that is just as important for you as it is for any other like medical operation that someone might go through. So you're resting, you're recovering, and what that means for you during this time is that you are sitting, you are relaxing, you are laying down, you're drinking water, eating nourishing foods, snuggling your baby, which is going to be your favorite part of rest and recovery. Um, Skin to skin is really great, really as often as you can, and just be. Don't let the, like, what feels like a big belly distract you from enjoying what is such a short period of time in your life, these first six to eight weeks where your baby is so little and so, so sweet. Um, Soak up all those snuggles and just be there fully without letting an imperfect quote unquote body distract you from really focusing on what matters. And you might feel like you might feel discouraged because clothes don't fit you like that you thought they would. Um, Just give it time. And again, don't let those things distract you from what really matters in those moments, which is you and the snuggles with your beautiful baby. One other thing I wanted to mention, especially in the beginning when your body is healing, um, let's talk about what calorie demands look like, um, especially as your your breast milk is establishing its supply. You want to be you want to be listening to your hunger cues. So your body is going to tell you when it's hungry. 
And it might be four o'clock in the morning after you fed your baby, you might be absolutely starving. And I want you to go eat the food because eating the food is not only going to help your metabolism stay where it should be, but it's going to give you the nutrients and calories that you need for your body and for your milk supply. So listen to your hunger cues for sure. Um, and having healthy snacks on hand is going to be super helpful. So there's two things with this, with calories. Um, calories are going to be important and calories are just energy from food. So some foods can be more calorie dense than it is nutrient dense. So for example, I'm going to say ice cream just because it's a really easy example. Ice cream is really dense in calories. So for the serving size, you're going to get more calories versus something like a cup of rice and a cup of chicken. Really simple example isn't going to be as many calories, but it's going to be nutrient dense. So calories and nutrients are equally important. And as your body's healing there in the very beginning and your milk supply is establishing itself, calories are going to be important, but so are nutrients. So in a time that you're in a pinch, let's say, you you know, you're kind of running around or when you do have a newborn as crazy as it might seem, there is just, it's hard to find time to eat snacks. I don't know Sometimes I find myself thinking, why is it so hard to find time to eat? But this is a real thing. Moms struggle finding time to eat. So anytime that you have a chance to grab something quick, um, if you don't have something necessarily super healthy or nutrient dense prepared, you can feel okay just consuming calories with whatever it is in front of you, even if it's some chips. Um, Maybe it's like, I think cheese is a good snack. Um, Nuts are a great snack as well. Those can be really easy and simple to eat as you're on the go and don't have much time. But really what we're thinking about here is protein, carbs, and fats. And especially in that early season, fats and protein are going to be your best friends for the nutrients that your body needs to properly heal. So grass-fed butter is a really good source of fat. You can put that on a piece of sourdough bread and eat that as a snack. I think that's great. Avocados, cooking with extra virgin olive oil, or including coconut oil in any of your, especially even baking recipes, which I know we might, we might not be doing a ton of baking there in the very beginning. However, when you do have the time and energy to do maybe some cooking or baking, I definitely recommend cooking in bulk. And then when you cook in bulk, you can plan on freezing half or even two thirds of whatever it is that you prepared. What's really nice about the freezer and definitely use the freezer. It's going to be your best friend is you can pull it out later. It's already prepared. It's home cooked. And then you don't, you know, you don't have to spend all that time doing the recipe all over again. So you can also use that trick when you do make a good, you or your spouse might make a really nice and healthy dinner double or triple whatever it is that you're making. And then again, freeze in a freezer bag um, that what leftovers are intended to be. So you might be like, okay, we're definitely going to freeze half of this. And then a week or two later, when you're in a pinch, you can pull it back out and pop it back on the stove or in the oven. And it's good as two. So definitely use that trick to your advantage. But um, protein and fats are going to be two macronutrients that are going to serve you in the best way possible. And it's not to say carbs are bad. We still definitely need carbs. Your brain alone uses 120 carbs a day to just process and function. So carbs are good. Like any tomato or not tomato, I'm sorry, potato. (laughs) My mom brain is real. If you're a postpartum mom, you know, like mom brain is so real. But potatoes are great. Rice is great. You can buy rice in the baggies or in the bags that you can pop in the microwave and set it for like, I think it's even two minutes and it's done. 
those are at Costco. You can buy those in the wholesale stores. So definitely, definitely look for the healthy and convenient options if time is a, you know, in the essence for you. So places like Costco and Sam's Club, they do have a lot of really good options. Um, They do a pretty good job having on hand good quality foods that are also convenient. So they have a really awesome freezer section that you can buy frozen chicken breasts and you can just literally lay the frozen chicken breasts on a pan and just stick it in the oven. I think they cook for like an hour, but it's not really a chicken patty. It's actually an actual chicken breast. So that's really cool. But even um, they have canned chicken that you can buy or canned roast beef that you can pop into a soup really easily. So definitely check out um, wholesale options if you have a membership. And if you don't, definitely consider it because there are so many things they have there in bulk. And it's so nice when you can just cook in bulk and then know that you have enough to cook in bulk. So we have a family of four. And I mean, Liam doesn't eat food, but I'm we love Costco and we do get a lot of our food there. So just some food for thought for calories for the first six to eight weeks. Um, Establishing your milk supply can be your number one goal if that is something that you're passionate about and want to pursue is breastfeeding. So don't be afraid of calories. Listen to your hunger cues. An average female is supposed to be eating around 2000 calories a day to maintain her weight while you're breastfeeding, you want to up that number by four or 500 calories. And that's not to say that you need to eat exactly that many calories every single day because your energy demands are going to be different than the girl next to you. So general rule of thumb is about 2,500 calories, which if you're not sure how much that is or how much you're eating right now, it might be worth just tracking your food and seeing where your numbers are. But strictly just to track for that reason alone is to say, okay, where are my numbers at? I really don't know how much I'm eating. And if you feel like you struggle with your milk supply or you just really are unaware of how many calories you're eating, um, tracking your food can be just a good way to understand how much food you're eating on average every day. So of those 2,500 calories, about 30% can be protein and about 30% can be fat. Um even up to 35, I think is, is good and fine during that initial period where, you know, your milk supply is going to be important. But then alongside eating enough food, we also want to make sure we're drinking plenty of water, like at least 100 ounces a day. And I recommend getting a large water bottle to have with you at home because one way to not drink enough water is to have a smaller water bottle and then to drink it all, but then have to go refill it. And we know that sometimes refilling it can be a little bit inconvenient if you're kind of being pulled in other directions around your house. So have a large water bottle and have it hold half, if not all of your water supply for the day. So they have, there's a lot of different water bottles out there, but they do have 64 ounce stainless steel water bottles um, available and you can put your water intake in there. One thing that I do um, is I'll fill up a big water bottle like that and I'll have it in, I'll have it, we have a two level home, so it makes things a little bit different, but I might bring that upstairs where our bedrooms and my office and we have a living room up there. And then downstairs, I'll always have a glass next to the refrigerator that I'll just fill up my water and then I'll just chug it, literally chug it and kind of place the the glass back next to the refrigerator for later when I'm like, I see it and I'm like, oh, I need to drink water, drink 16 ounces, boom, done. (laughs) So those are some tips I have. And then one other thing I think is important, and this is something that can be really confusing. I feel like for a lot of moms is dairy and milk. So 
it's very interesting because there's this, you know, aroma around dairy that it's inflammatory and we want to avoid it. And we want to go straight to almond milk or cashew milk where it's not to say that almond and cashew milk are bad. I do think they have a time and place. They are lower in calories, but just because they're lower in calories does not mean that it's the healthiest option for you. When we're looking at milk, the pasteurized milk and ultra pasteurized milk that is on the shelf in a lot of the stores is pasteurized because, I mean, even way back when they were putting milk on the shelves and it was thought to kind of be contaminated if it wasn't pasteurized, they there, there are laws with how you can get milk on the shelves in the stores. So that's the milk company or like the states, the federal like organizations way of kind of keeping their th- themselves safe from potentially potentially quote unquote contaminating people. And the odds of being contaminated by real real milk are actually very low and we know milk's important for calcium, for vitamin A, for a lot of minerals and even electrolytes. But the problem is people are drinking the milk and then they are being intolerant to it, but But what the problem is, is not the actual milk. It's the way that it's being processed to be put on the shelves. So find a real raw milk provider around you just from a a farm where the cows graze on the grass. And this is going to be such an important, important drink to include during your postpartum days. And then when your baby gets old enough to, to drink real milk, Give them the real raw milk um, instead of the, you know, 2% or the pasteurized or ultra pasteurized milks. And it's really confusing because the ultra pasteurized milk that sits on the shelf says it's organic. It looks really great. And as it's not the end of the world, if you're drinking that, there just is a better option that has more nutrients per cup and better quality uh, it's just a better quality milk and it's more bioavailable and it's your body is going to recognize it for what it is. So I wanted to throw that point in there because I think it's really, 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 really important. There's this website. I'm going to link it in the show notes and I'm not sure what it is. I think it's like findrawmilknearme.com. It's a red website and I'll I'll put it down below, but it farmers can upload their their dairy farm to this website and you can find raw milk near you. So it's actually more common than you think. And I just encourage you to look into it. So that kind of wraps up everything that I wanted to talk about for the first six to eight weeks postpartum. So let's kind of go ahead and talk about what the next two to six month range looks like with breastfeeding calorie demands and your weight loss goals. So as far as your, your goal goes, your goal is to still feed your baby, your milk, and to keep up with your milk supply. So we still want to go in with the mindset of food is good. Eat the food. Give yourself the permission to follow your energy cues. And when you're hungry, you go ahead and you need to eat. So avoid the mindset of, oh, I'm hungry. That means I'm losing body fat. I'm not going to eat. That That is going to hurt your milk supply. And believe it or not, your milk supply is super sensitive. If you go a couple days of Maybe you're sick. You might have actually had this experience before where you are sick and you don't eat because your appetite's low and then all of a sudden your milk supply drops like the following day. And it just has to do with how much you're eating. So keep your food up. Eat at least three meals a day and two snacks, I think is a good like ballpark way of determining that. So that could be a full breakfast, a lunch and a dinner, and then two snacks throughout the day. 
It could be a good quality protein powder with some cheese. It could be a rice cake with some peanut butter and a banana. I love just doing nuts and dark chocolate chips, I think is a delicious snack. So that is another good option. But um, or energy bars. I've I posted about these before and I do one batch a week and I will freeze some and pull them out later, depending on what the week looks like. Um, energy bars are basically, I mean, you literally just pour everything in a big bowl and you mix it up, you put it in a pan and you freeze it. And that's really is as easy as it is. So it's things like oats, flax seeds, chia seeds, honey, peanut butter, any nut butter is good. So there's like almond butters. There's a mixed nut butters. So those are all included and those are great. Coconut oil is sometimes in there. I'm trying to think what else, like co uh, coconut, shredded coconut. And yeah, so that can be a good option as well. If you Google energy bars, there's just a million options <laughs> and they're just really good, yummy snacks. But as far as weight loss goes within that time frame, with energy bar, this kind of came to my mind is those sorts of snacks are really calorie dense, but they're also really nutrient dense. Because they're so calorically dense, you just want to make sure you don't eat them a whole bunch because they are just so good. I think two a day is a great uh, amount to have for for one of those two snacks that you do um, eat. So so yeah, around the two to six month range, you're going to start feeling better. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, yes, I finally feel a little bit stronger than I did in the very beginning. And you're going to feel probably more inspired or ready to get moving and to get back on your feet. And I would say during this time frame, especially if your doctor clears you for exercise, you can definitely start considering implementing a movement routine. I actually had a conversation on Instagram um, with my friend Haley the other day, and she was saying, you know, I want to get back into exercise, but I just don't know where to start. It's been so long. And I've been in the fitness industry for, I mean, I've been really, I've participated in sports my whole life. And nothing struck me more than more than getting back into a movement routine after having a baby. I couldn't believe how it just felt like I it wasn't as big of a focus as it was prior to getting pregnant, which at this point was over a year ago. And prior to pregnancy, I mean, I was going to the gym five times a week, looking forward to it every single day. It was a huge part of my day and my life. And then I got pregnant and I had a pretty sick pregnancy with Jayla, our first, our firstborn. And she, I mean, I was throwing up like every day until we probably 26 and then it came back again, my nausea at the end. And so working out was, I would be in the gym, but not as often. And my goals had changed because, you know, I wasn't trying to lift heavy on the barbell I was trying to listen to my body but and, and move, but then I was experiencing the nausea, which just added a challenging component. So when I was ready to get back into exercise after she was born, I was also working out from home and, you know, navigating work, baby, and fitness. And so it was just hard to put it into the day until, but establishing routine is a routine is definitely helpful with that. But my workout still looked different. And it, there was this, okay, what do I want to focus on now? aspect and I'm not on the barbell as much anymore. My routine had changed. And so it's kind of figuring out those sorts of things. So you might be able to, to relate to that. If you're wondering where to start, so you're you're wanting to go into fitness after you have your baby around the four-ish month mark after having your baby, your four months postpartum. And so I think good things to focus on or always feel good about is 
I mean, walking, as simple as it sounds, it seems a little underrated, but walking alone, if you can establish a walking routine or just get your steps up throughout your day, that's going to be so beneficial, not only for this stage of your life, but every single stage of your life. And one thing I recommend doing is figuring out if you have an Apple Watch, let's say, figure out how many steps you're taking on average every day and then up it by 2,000 and then try to keep upping upping it until you hit around the 10,000 steps a day mark is just a good general number to to hit for um, encouraged weight loss and just to benefit from walking itself from a physical standpoint. So you have walking, picking up a set of dumbbells and lifting the weights is going to be so beneficial for you. As you get older, your muscle density will gradually change. And if you're not actively keeping your muscles strong, you can lose even three to eight percent of muscle mass every 10 years of your life between starting at the age of 30, which is actually very significant because we want to keep those muscles active so they can continue being our friends along our fitness journey, staying strong, encouraging a good immunity, good mobility. You're going to be able to live a healthier, longer life by keeping your muscles engaged. And so you can do this by lifting up a set of dumbbells, doing very staple things like start with the squat and the lunge and the shoulder press and do some mobility flows. You can even look up like yoga, postpartum yoga routines, and you can include those into your routine like two or three times a week alongside, I think, starting with three resistance training workouts. Nothing fancy. Just pick up the dumbbells, create a routine and figure out what time of the day works best for you to work out and make it a routine. And you can gradually start challenging yourself along the way. I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about the exercise and the movement decreasing your milk supply. I don't think that's something that you necessarily need to worry about. Um, But with the goal of weight loss, with the breastfeeding aspect and the movement, just trust that you don't have to be extreme to lose body weight. And if you're um, giving yourself nourishing food and moving more, just simply moving more, your milk supply won't be negatively impacted just by those two things. And you can feel good about if you're giving your body what it needs in, in that sense, your body will naturally go in a place that it is good and happy because breastfeeding alone actually does burn calories, a lot of calories, actually, um, even around 500 a day, it can burn up to 500 a day, which is really fascinating. And that is one reason why moms who do breastfeed can have an easier time losing weight than moms who don't. It's just, it's related to hormones and then how much calories it does take your body to produce and release the milk. But in, in order to lose a pound a week, and I'm not saying that needs to be your goal, but I'm just general number here. You want to lose a pound a week. That puts you at about 10 pounds after a two-month period, roughly. In order to do that, you need to be in a deficit of it's 3,500 calories a week. So if you are eating 2,500 calories a day and that roughly matches how many calories you need to sustain your weight, adding some additional movement and and then alongside the breastfeeding piece itself, you might be in a little deficit every single day. Let's say it's like negative 300 calories a day. That, it doesn't seem substantial for that day, but over the course of a week, two weeks, et cetera, you will see the weight drop. 
And you can trust that by eating those nourishing foods and keeping your water supply up, that's so, so, so important. And then giving your baby enough time at the breast, like more time will equal more milk. So assuming those things are in line and properly managed, your body, like I said before, will be in a happy place. And so what I mean by happy place is that you're giving you're giving your organs and your cells and your tissues, your muscles, your ligaments, and your healing body the nutrients and the movement that it honestly needs to be healthy and be strong. It's being nourished in all these ways. And so your body is going to eat at the fat. It's going to be stronger. You're going to develop better dense muscle. And when you have muscle, your, your metabolism is higher. And when your metabolism is higher, you're burning more calories at any resting moment than you were before. And little changes like that over time. So over the course of the next four months, if you do that consistently, you're naturally going to drop in weight and you're going to feel like an absolute rock star. You're going to have better, you know, your brain's going to function better. You're going to have a little bit of a strut in your step. You're going to, your, your digestion's going to be improved and that just improves the quality of your life. So, and then it just kind of creates a snowball effect. So, you know, if, let's assume that you started that at like around the three month time frame. Okay, you do that for four months and now you're seven months postpartum and you feel completely like a different person then again. And you've developed that muscle mass over time. And you're you're just creating not only this positive lifestyle that will continue, but you're you're setting yourself up for success in the weight loss game and breastfeeding game. You're not necessarily you're not being restrictive or too obsessive in one avenue or the other, if that kind of makes sense. So I think especially for those first six months, your baby and feeding your baby are going to be your number one priorities and know that it's such a temporary time. It might not always feel temporary when you're going through life when your babies are little, but you're going to look back when your baby's one and you're going to wonder how in the world your baby's already one. So just have the wisdom and the self-confidence and awareness and respect to say, I don't need to just have a negative relationship with food and feel like I can't eat because I want to look better. You will look and feel your best if you just let the course take its um take its route in in the health in the healthiest way possible. So those are those things are all going to be super important. And real quick while I'm thinking about it, there's going to be a lot of supplements distracting you. There's going to be like fat loss pills that you feel like you want to take just to burn the fat away. I I just I encourage you to not resort to those sorts of things for weight loss and fat loss and to trust the healthy lifestyle that you're passionate about living because you're not going to feel good on those supplements anyway. Um, specifically, I guess I'm, I'm talking about just fat loss pills or fat loss powders. I think things like grain powders and um, your prenatal or I take juice plus as my prenatal checkmark, which is a whole foods capsule. So it's fruit, vegetable, berry, and omega. So that to me is the most honest source of nutrients, which really a prenatal is looking to check off the nutrient checkbox. So you can make sure those things are in line, but you don't need all of this distracting all of these distracting supplements, like anything keto or fat loss, this fat loss, that you don't need to be distracted by those things. Just trust that 
very, very simple biological focuses are going to be what's going to get you where you want to be, not only now, but in a year from now and so on. Because I mean, picture yourself in five years, you're going to have a five-year-old baby or kid at this point, and they're watching you every day and you want to model what healthy living looks like and you want to feel like you have the reins on it. And we're not going to be able to do that unless we can establish these habits now and create a healthy relationship with them. Because what do you want for your child? You want them to be, to be healthy. You want them to understand that moving your body is a way to celebrate your body and that eating food is not to encourage fat loss or weight loss, but to encourage a healthy heart and healthy bones and a healthy brain and all of these really awesome things. Like we want to nourish our bodies the best we can. And if you're looking for a plan on what to follow and how to do it, that's literally why I have my Empowerment Academy, which teaches women all the wellness habits that they can really just be on fire about and implement daily to not only encourage fat loss and muscle growth, but to be in charge of your life in the best, in the best way possible. So definitely reach out to me if you're interested in programming. I would love to have a conversation with you. And I also do offer um, pregnant and postpartum coaching as well if you or a friend are interested. But So definitely consider that. The very last category we have here is what happens, you know, when your baby is nearing the age of one. So a good goal, I think, is to breastfeed your baby for the first year of their life or as long as you can, I think is a really great goal. If that's not realistic for you or, you know, life just has its ways of kind of pulling us in a lot of different directions. So Don't feel like you're failing as a mom if that's not the case for you, but if you have the means to, I think that's a really awesome goal. Your baby will probably start eating foods just more than just your breast milk between the ages of six and 12 months. So your milk supply might naturally drop a little bit as your baby starts consuming more foods because now you're not their primary source of food. So during this time, you could be in a couple different places. Some moms find themselves having maybe more weight um, at this point where their baby's between six and 12 months because it has been over a year, most likely, since they've had a good solid workout routine and perhaps a nutrition routine as well. So some possible reasons for that weight retention can be sleeping <laughs> being a big one. Um, if my babies are not the best sleepers. Uh, Jayla probably, it took a while for her to really sleep through the night. And Liam hasn't slept through the night yet. He's four and a half months old. But sleeping can be really difficult. And if you're a mom experiencing sleep deprivation, that can be one reason why we do hold on to weight a little bit more than if, you know, your baby was getting good sleep. So look into possible solutions. There's There's sleep training to try if you feel like you just kind of go night to night to night really doing the same thing and not really test trialing things or giving them a solid one to two weeks to really see if it works for you and your family. I just really encourage you to try your best to, to stick to something that you want to try or you think might work for your baby because who knows, maybe it will. And I'm not saying I'm an expert at this. It's definitely worth being encouraged to look into possible solutions for better sleep. There's lots of, you might, you might follow Taking Cara. It's C-A-R-A. Taking Cara Babies on Instagram has a lot of really great resources for sleeping with babies and toddlers. So definitely check that out. I know she has a course and I've never taken it, but I've definitely contemplated buying her course. 
But that's one resource that I feel like is very helpful. Another thing is you might have gained extra weight during your pregnancy. Gaining, you know, 25 to 35 roughly pounds is normal and expected. And you should gain weight during your pregnancies. When I say weight, I mean just weight on the scale. There's a lot of things with weight in your body that contribute to that number go up. That's nothing to be afraid of. However, if you were eating a lot during your pregnancy and not moving very often, it could have resulted in additional weight gain. So that might be more weight to lose after you're done getting pregnant. That's another thing to consider. And then a less structured exercise routine. Um, and then getting back into that can be another reason that we do have more weight retention retention um, after we have a baby. So know that your goals are possible just because you feel like you're at this point where you've never been before and you don't feel strong. You're you just feel like you're lost in your health journey know that you don't have to stay there. You you have the power and the control to make the change. So definitely know that it's possible. More like very simple biological things, like I've said in this podcast already, like just exercising more, picking up the dumbbells, the resistance bands, upping your protein intake, checking in with yourself and focusing on nourishing foods, water, good sleep, a good support system, you will go, you will go far and it's, it's possible. You have to believe it's possible. You're not broken. You can do this. And then I, I kind of wanted to relate this back to breastfeeding again. So for the breastfeeding mom around the 12, six to 12 month, month time frame, when your supply is dropping a little bit, you can still focus on upping the intensity in your workouts. I don't think you need to worry about your supply being negatively impacted by that. Of course, every woman's different, and I would consider um, seeing a lactation consultant if you feel like your lifestyle is affecting your milk supply because they are professionals with helping breastfeeding moms. So know that's a resource and don't feel like you're failing if you have to ask for help because we were literally made to do this together. So do not feel like you have to do it alone or answer all the questions yourself because asking for help is, is a wise thing to do. And you might even find around that time frame. You, since your baby's not completely relying on you for all the nutritional needs to grow, you might feel a little bit more confident walking into an exercise space that's more challenging. You might be excited to kind of get back to more of what feels like a routine for you because at this point, your milk supply has itself figured out. You're not dealing with as much engorgement or hopefully not as many clogged ducts. So, that is a that is a positive thing and that can be a good inspirational thing walking into kind of that next step towards feeling completely like yourself again. And one last thing that I think is really important just for this idea of weight loss exercise in postpartum is to uh, to understand that there is a core rehabilitation aspect of getting back into exercise after you have your baby. So if you're upping your workout intensities and you have any pain in your in your hips or your pelvic floor area, definitely seek a pelvic floor therapist. They are they are trained and they are professionals in making sure that your pelvic floor is healthy and functional. And pelvic floor dysfunction isn't something that just affects pregnant and postpartum women. People just any anyone can deal with pelvic floor injuries or dysfunction. And essentially it's the muscles, the canopy of muscles that are holding your organs up and helping with bowel movements and sexual function. They're not strong or they're too tight and they're causing imbalances in your hips. And th this can cause pain when you're trying to work out 
or if you have any like pressure or bulging in that area, definitely seek a professional and know that's not normal, although it is common. So it's common, it's not normal, and we need to seek help when we have those those feelings and sensations. I saw a pelvic floor therapist after I had Liam. I wasn't really having any like screaming symptoms. However, I did have some SPD pain with Liam um, and Jayla. I had it, it, would, it with both. Um, it went away after having Jayla, but I noticed it lingered a little bit longer after having Liam. Um, so it was like really low and on the inside of my legs, uh, this kind of lingering pain was there. So I was like, I'm, I'll, just, I'll get seen by a pelvic floor therapist. And if there's any imbalances, then the professional can can help me. And I told myself, you know, if I'm also going to be encouraging my clients to see pelvic floor therapists, then I definitely should be seeing one as well. And it's really good for every female to do just a physical examination. It should be part of the protocol for every pregnant woman to get examined by a pelvic floor therapist after they have a baby, just because we do need that green check mark from the professional themselves saying your pelvic floor is healthy and good and strong. So, and they offer a lot of value that an OBGYN, not that they don't offer that value, but it's a more special, specialized care um, that you would be receiving. So I just definitely encourage you to ask the questions, get seen, because um, this has to do with the longevity of your health and the quality of your life. So just some encouragement there. All in all, your breastfeeding journey with your baby is your journey with them, and it's something that you can have feel pride in. You can feel confident there. You don't have to let the outside world determine how you feel about feeding your baby. You cannot like it so much. You can love it, but don't let any outside factors determine how you feel about your experience feeding your own child. So I hope you found that valuable today and have a great rest of your day. I look forward to the next episode. And if you liked it, go ahead and give it a five-star review so we can continue spreading the word to all the mamas out there who are looking to feel good during and after their pregnancies.